Welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. Uh, I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it. Help us spread the word to youth leaders everywhere. It's time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. And that's why I'm so glad uh, to talk to my friend today, Rick Long. Uh, you've heard me mention Rick before because we planted a church together 34 years ago, Grace Church. Uh, and I've known Rick since I was in, uh, man, middle school. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember when he first came in as a seventh grader, I was in ninth grade and we became instant friends, started sharing the gospel together. Give you a little bit of background on Rick. He's been, uh, the pastor at Grace for 34 and a half years he is master's education from Trinity Seminary, Liberty University, Colorado Bible College, Rocky Mountain Bible College, as well as religious studies certification from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The only reason he got that is because that's where Michael Jordan went. <laughs> that's uh, right. He has served as Pastor Rick Warren, senior pastor, uh, senior purpose-driven pastoral coach for 28 years. He's now working with Pastor Rick to accomplish finishing the task which is a strategy to developed to reach all 8 billion people with the gospel before 2033. Rick's been married to his beautiful wife, Shelly, for 38 years. They have four children, three bonus children, and seven grandchildren. Uh, he's the CEO of Forge Christian High School, uh, a new purpose-driven Christian school built on 51 years of legacy at Faith Christian High School, where both my kids graduated from. Uh, he's also assisted uh, Greg Steer with Dare to Share for 10 years. Uh, assisted. We, when we launched Grace Church uh, and then soon after uh, launched Dare to Share, we were all in together for everything to advance the gospel. And although he's the lead pastor of Grace Church, uh, he is a youth leader dis disguised as a lead pastor. Amen. He's got a heart for the next generation. Rick, man. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast. So good to be here, Greg. Just hearing you say those things, of course, you know, you don't like to hear stuff about yourself, but what resonates is how much I love you. And I, I think back to the reason that I became passionate about the gospel was your passion for the gospel. Uh -huh. You poured into me. I mean, when I think of junior high students, it's not, it's not normal. We all know you're not normal, but it's not normal to take... Uh, you know, a kid a year younger than you under your wings and start teaching them the gospel. You were already so passionate about it. We used to go out to the mall. We did. I think did. one time we dressed up like in camouflage. <laughs> we did. And, and we went to the mall today. and shared the gospel. <laughs> we did. We just did whatever yeah. it took. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I remember the conversations you and I would have. Yeah. Uh, because your parents ran a halfway house. Yep. Yep. And I would go over there and, yeah. and spend the night, yeah. you know, yep. and, uh, we would we would talk about girls. Yep. And we'd talk about planting a church someday. Yep. And we talk about reaching the world for Christ. We did. When we were like 14, yeah. 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's never that's never, never changed. Never died. Never changed. Yeah, never changed. If anything, it's it's a much deeper passion today for both of us. I, I think we grow, you go through changes in life. God yeah. humbles you and he's continues to humble us and, and we get to look and say, Look what God has done. You know, look at how he's he uses, I always say, two knuckleheads to yeah. to do his work, and and yet in the midst of all of that, again, I've I've been in the wings, you know, praying for Dare to Share, cheering you on, uh, being a fan of everything that that happens through the ministry, and I know you've been the same for us at Grace and our work. So this is a great honor, and I'm looking forward to encouraging pastors because that's one of the yeah. great passions in my life has been the privilege of being a coaching pastor since it was actually 1997 and then teaching at Saddleback. And now uh, I remember when we first yeah, went, we yeah. went to the 96 uh, Saddleback yeah. pastors. We did. Cause we had, this is back when we started the church, there was yep. nothing but Elmer Towns. Notes. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> and we're like, how do we do this? So it was basically yeah. the book of acts. Yeah. And I think we used to get up early and go to, like before even the church started, like four in the morning. Yeah, 3.30 in the morning, we went to Denny's. And we would sit down and study Acts. And just study Acts and talk and pray. And we were going to start the church. Yeah, uh, we were going to call the church originally <laughs> the church. <laughs> well, the philosophy yeah. behind it was good. We said if the Apostle Paul wrote a letter today, he would write it to, to the, the church. church of Arvada. So we're like, we'll be the church. And it's funny because I got a good friend in the community who's a pastor, young pastor. I've been kind of trying to mentor and encourage 
uh, Justin church? McKay at the local <laughs> church, and I, I tease him about, I that. Like, about the that local same thing. church. Yeah. Like, where do you go to church? The church. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> so who's we, on first? We were thinking that, but but yeah, I mean, but you know, passion. So b- backing it up just a yeah, little bit. Passion. I mean, talking to youth leaders, you and I were raised. Yeah. And the ultimate gospel advancing youth, without ministry. a doubt, Christian youth ranch is what they. It sounds like a boys' home, but <laughs> talk about talk about what it was like for us as teenagers being in a church where the gospel was so central to everything. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this all over the world, both of us. I mean, and I, I really have yet to hear anyone say that they had a youth ministry like it. Not that there haven't been much bigger youth movements or youth ministries, but when you got 800 teenagers coming every Thursday. And they only have 300 adults in the church. That's it, in the church. 800 teens. And we were in a Christian school where... When we started the school, you were there with my wife as the first 19 students. When I came along three years later, um, what happened was I walked in. They said, hey, you're part of the Christian school. When you come to youth group, you're coming to serve. And so I started putting carpet squares on carpet and praying for the kids that would sit in there. And they said, when you hear the gospel, act like you've never heard it before. Remember that? Yeah. We'd sit there and listen. They'd also tell you when they, when the, when the, the youth leader yeah. tells a joke, laugh like you've never heard laugh it. Laugh like you never heard it, and we did, and peak when they raise their hand. And all of that stuff really built in us that passion. And so when I look back, yes, it was your influence. It was the influence of Colorado Bible Church and you know Youth Ranch. There are a lot of people, Mark Schweitzer, Tim Sanchez, you know, a lot of people that were instrumental in teaching us more yeah. about sharing the gospel. And and I just don't know anybody else that was that was better at it. But I think what we were discovering in the midst of it is that the the purposes of God, worship and discipleship and fellowship and having a ministry in the church and a mission in the world are all critical to be a balanced Christian. But the only purpose that can only be done here is the gospel yeah, of Jesus Christ exactly. being proclaimed. So if that's not predominant, then all the others are gonna fall short. It was so predominant. Like I cannot honestly think of a Sunday morning or a Thursday night youth group meeting no. where the gospel was not given. No. And an invitation. In an event. I yeah. mean, uh, uh, a class, a concert, uh, a play. Give the gospel for always. the Christian school. Like always. They, always. So, yeah. so kind of jump, we jump forward a couple of years. You and I start Grace Church. Yeah. Crazy. And maybe just March twelfth, nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Even do you remember? I was going to go to I think Dallas Theological. Yeah, you were going to go to Dallas. We talked about going to Capital Seminary after that. I was. I had uh, less than a month left in my uh, college, and unfortunately, it closed. Yeah. And so I ended up having to further my education later. So, but we planted. We we planted three. Like, was it? 30 days later or three months later? I'm trying. We planned it. No, it was, it was in January during the Super yeah, Bowl. We, we prayed that we night prayed. for three hours after the Broncos that. got slaughtered you, for you, the third time. Because you yeah. were like, I was like, I want to go to seminary. And, like, and you're like, why don't we just start one now? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I was really grateful because we were youth pastors and I was in charge of evangelism. You, you were in charge of the junior high. We both were just working together. Lane Palmer, other amazing people. You had a different there. church. Yeah. Different church. Yeah. And we just saw, we had created, and it really was more your brainchild, Operation Arvada. And we brought it to the pastor, the new pastor, and he was like, yeah, boys, nice. He's like, let me pray about it. Exactly. So is it, because exactly. we had seen as youth leaders, this yeah. we're kind of jumping around here, but as youth leaders, we had seen the gospel take over the yeah. youth ministry. Yeah. And we're like, what if this happened church-wide? So yeah. we, we put this thing together, Operation Arvada. Presented it to him. He said, let yeah. me pray about it, which is a death knell. Yeah, it's like, it no. was. That means no. And then I mean, you, you were like, let's start it. Yeah, well, we had 10 kids in the youth group, uh, Surfside, we called it. Yeah. And within a month and a half, we had 130, and they were kind of all over the place doing what unbelievers and new believers do. Yep. And I, that was the first time I realized that there are actually churches that are not interested in leading the lost to Christ. Yeah. And that, that blew my mind. And so I just said to you, man, it's always been our dream. Yeah. It's my passion. I want to do this. And you're like, well, let's go to seminary first. And I'm like, no, let's do it now. Yeah. And so we prayed March 12th, 1989. We launched Grace. We both had responsibilities. You preached predominantly. I led the worship and youth ministry and became the lead pastor because we already knew you were moving toward Dare to Share, Warriors for yeah. Christ first. Yeah. And so that was a unique challenge. I mean, when I only preached maybe 20, 30% of the time, I had to manage leading. 
while you're communicating in your unique, amazing style. So all of that was great. We still have video. Oh gosh, yeah. Service. Oh, it's so. I'll go back on the Grace Church website and just watch, just to laugh. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, I'm leading worship like this. We're both in suits. Well, I was in a nice shirt. Shelly's got a synthesizer. And she made a mistake, and I looked at her while leading worship. She said, you ever do that again? I'll never but, play. Yeah. But we made a commitment that Sunday we did. that no matter no matter what happens, yep. the gospel is going to be given. It's going to be given clearly, yep. and people have an opportunity to respond. No matter who preaches. Since March 12, 1989, that promise has been kept. It has been kept without exception. And we have 58 local and global ministries, and every night of the week our church is filled with celebrate recovery student ministry support classes and, and it's, it's not because all of those. it's not because it's the richest church no it's not because it's the fanciest church no uh it's because the gospel is prioritized and 100%. it's given people cannot nope. you cannot matter of fact we, you can't leave grace without hearing the gospel clearly oh, no. and have an opportunity to respond no. and we even said uh if we have guest speakers in and they don't give it clearly we'll we do it after it and there were times I still you, you and I had to get up and say, let's thank our yep. brother. And anyway, let me just reemphasize what yeah. they were saying at the end. Well, let me tell you what we've done to even fix that. So, for instance, I had a good friend of mine, African-American pastor, Greg Rogers. He teaches at our school. Incredible man. Lives in Aurora. He preached for me one weekend about six months ago. And I said, Greg, you know, make sure that you're prepared to preach gospel. Well, if you preach at Grace except for some unique exceptions, you have to come and preach to the preaching team the week before, right? And in that time, we critique and edit and all that stuff. And then at the end, we say, hey, we got to clear the gospel up. Like you're using words and verbiage. And and he was so grateful. Like he's begging me to to learn how to do that and to get a preaching team together. But that way you bypass all the struggles. Like when Danny Ortley comes, I know it's going to be preached clearly, but some people you're like, yeah. And so a lot of times I'll say to a person, if you're not comfortable, one of us will come out and present the gospel after. So let's, let's, let's kind of dive into this because, you know, I'm beginning a series on, you know, the power of giving the gospel in every meeting and giving an invitation. And I want to just talk about that. Like, why is it important to gospelize your sermons, to, to make sure you give the gospel and also give people some kind of opportunity to respond? We'll talk about how in a little bit, but why, why is that important? Because a lot of pastors I talk to, they're like, well, we have a lot going on in the service and they won't make it a priority because they have you know, too much music or our sermons are too long or whatever. Why is it important? What would you say to youth leaders and pastors about why it's important to give the gospel every week? Number one, you never know if people have come to know Christ. They can be in your church for 30 years. I did a concert at a church uh, up here, up north, I won't mention. And at the end of the concert, I mean, that we had this deacon standing in the back, three-piece suit, 70-year-old guy, didn't love the music. We were kind of rocking out. At the end, where I give the gospel, he raises his hand. I'm in the foyer. A deacon. A deacon. And the pastor's there. Find out this guy's the lead deacon. And he says, in a room filled with people, like we're signing autographs, selling CDs. He goes, Pastor, Pastor Rick, I just want to say this. Thank you so much for sharing the gospel. Tonight, for the first time in my 30 years in the church, I understood and became wow. a Christian. Wow. And the pastor's like looking down. Yeah. You never know who's going Did to be. You turn there. to him and say, shame. <laughs> well, how I didn't dare need you, to. sir? I didn't need to because it, the Holy it pierced Spirit his was heart. Holy Spirit Absolutely. Was doing that. Yeah. So the why is very simple. There's always a possibility that even people that have been in your church are not saved. Yeah. But more importantly, if you're doing ministry, in a healthy way, there will always be people in your church who you don't know, who are guests. And the larger it gets, the more of those you have. In our church, we have something called the soul counter. And the soul counter uh, is is a clock that sits in the back, and it says, New Believers in 2023. Wow. And I don't know if you can zoom on that, Jeremy, but there's been 1,021 new believers in 2023 at Grace. That's awesome. You can't add to that clock unless, or 
1021, you can't add to that counter unless, one, you're a pastor, two, you have verification that they put their trust in Christ. Like, we don't just count the hand. They text. They come out and get their new believer gift bag with a new Bible and my book, Grace Happens, some other gifts. So that's what happens when you preach the gospel. So also what happens, and I think this has been true since the beginning, Mm -hmm. is the majority of people at Grace Church have come to Christ as a result Absolutely. either people hearing it from people from Grace or people inviting their friends and then them trusting Christ or them taking the lunch afterward and explaining that the majority is new conversion growth. Without a doubt. Which is so rare. It's rare. I mean, when I, I was just with pastors from churches in the community yesterday in a prayer meeting, and of all of them, one pastor, uh, Kyle at Revive, is is seeing that kind of exponential growth. And a lot of times... He's He's a gospel guy. He's a gospel guy. He's a great guy. And what you'll find, though, is that there is a philosophical issue that's become supported in the minds of certain pastors theologically, and that is that salvation is more than a gift from God, excuse me, received by faith. It is a actual, you need to repent, and the repentance is defined unbiblically. Yeah. Repentance like a, never means to change your life, yeah, it's to change it, your mind. Yeah, a, a, they define it as a turn from sin, Yeah, as opposed to a change of mind that should lead once you're transformed to a change change of of life, life, right? If not, something's broken in the chain. But there's this, number one, a non-clear gospel, oftentimes when it is given. Um, And then answer this this question, because I think this is is something I get a lot from pastors, is like this philosophy that, that, well, it's just believers in my my church, that, 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 if you know, if an unbeliever comes in, it's it's a rarity at yeah. all. So we'll yeah. save the gospel for Friendship yeah. Sunday or Easter or Christmas. In your experience, beyond the deacon mm-hmm. at Grace Church, mm-hmm. how many weekends a year are there unsaved people that come and visit Grace Church? Every single weekend, every so single service of the year, every single service. Like we have four services now, three um, because we use our lodge and some satellite, but. The people come to Christ. People come to Christ in every service because one, you're training your people to bring the lost. Two, you've created an environment that is friendly yeah. and conducive. And I think when you look at the philosophy that we're talking about here, there are actually pastors, they will tell you this because I've trained over 10,000 pastors when I taught it at Saddleback and then nationally through trainings, uh, inter, excuse me, globally. I've found that there are pastors who actually believe Church is only for the believer, and if you are focusing on the lost or evangelism, you're being unbiblical. But you know, you know what? And I think it's I think it's unfair to categorize that because yeah. Grace has always been a church yep. that does focus for the believer, uh, but always assumes there's unbelievers there. And Absolutely. at the end, we'll say maybe you're here today, and this, you know, yep. but but like you turn it toward those, yep. and we've always did, did that, and, you know, turn it toward those. Maybe you're here and you're wondering, you know, yeah. what, you know, whatever you're yeah. talking on. Yeah. Um, so I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but there was two weeks in a row. I think it was the first time yeah, in nobody, church came, nobody came to came Christ. To Christ. Yeah. Ann Smith, one of the elders, yeah. got all the elders together and the staff <laughs> and said the sin of, sin. in his voice, the sin of Achan is in the camp. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's come to Christ. For two yeah. weeks yeah. in the Sunday morning services, which one of you is living a secret life of sin? Sadly, I was preaching, so I didn't yeah, know. I was no, like, I'm it's, just it's Rick. It's Rick. We all yeah. know it's Rick. But yeah. it was so it was rare, so rare. Yeah. for someone not to come to Christ. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, like, because, uh, you know, I'll be doing, um, you know, more on actually how, you know, the technical, you know, how, you how do you do yeah. this. But how do you do this? Like, yeah. so... Because a lot of pastors may be wanting to do an invitation, mm-hmm. give the gospel, but how do you take your subject and then turn it toward the gospel and then give people a response? What is the the grace way yeah. of doing that? Well, first of all, I, I think it's critical to understand that if my message doesn't point back to the cross, mm-hmm. it's probably heresy. Yeah, Because there's nowhere in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation it doesn't point back to God's redemptive plan to yeah. save mankind. So 
you know, so it should be in whatever should. text or text you're preaching on. Let, let me give yeah. you an example. Like I just, I taught a generosity series. We've been in this massive fundraiser to buy a building and start a new Christian school. It's been uh, mind blowing. In the midst of that series, I, I, I'm teaching on generosity, and I, you know, I had one of my one of our old teachers put me to the test one time in front of the whole church. He's like. Well, Rick can get to the gospel from anywhere, mm. any subject. And so they just started throwing subjects out. And I would draw the parallel. With finances, you finish up. And when you're in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you see the generosity. You talk about the believers. And then you say something like this. And you know what? Jesus paid our debt. He has erased our debt. Yeah. And you're right into the gospel. The elements of the the gospel acrostic that's been created and that you guys do such a great job teaching are necessary. So no matter what we teach, you don't have to get up there. I don't say there's anything wrong with it, but I don't just go through the gospel yeah. acrostic. I tie all those elements in, and it's very— But anybody who's been yeah. trained in it, like every sermon I've heard you preach, yeah. even though you're not going through the GOSPL, I could just like, gee— they're all there. They're there. Right. The story of the, the gospel message. So you you make a segue. Yep. You share the gospel. So yep. how do you give the invitation? And it, it yeah. actually is, may, may have changed since, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I find myself like you do in different denominational churches, different places where they do invitations yeah. differently. Some I, do like the altar call. Call to the front. Text or in. Or, text in or yeah. stand up. Yeah. What we do is we we still do what we've always done, which is we have them raise their hand. We we actually count them, from the— Do you have them bow their heads? Yeah, bow their heads, like close their eyes. Same, so same, yeah. I'm going to close in prayer. We do the same thing we've always done. But when it comes to the number, and this is what I try to explain to pastors. Well, numbers don't matter. Numbers do matter. There's a if whole you, book in the Bible called Numbers. It's called Numbers. I've said, I've said that's, that's one point. of my favorite. But uh, <laughs> but when you say something matters, then if it can't be measured, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if we're not counting and we're not trying to understand the fruit that God is bringing, then then what are we doing? Yeah. Every number represents a soul. So we count from our cameras. We have greeters who are placed strategically throughout the room. So they're seen both from the back and the front. Yeah. I don't count anything. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I removed myself 20 years ago from counting because it's easy as an evangelistic counter to go, oh, I see 20 hands, right? So, And then we have some worship people that count. So while they're doing that, um, it's exciting to see the, the believers going, yes. Yeah, because you. you're saying, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So when you, yep. just to clarify, mm -hmm. so bow your heads, close your eyes. If that message made sense to you and you put your faith in Jesus today for the very first time, yep. I'd like to know who you are so I can yeah. pray for you. Can you raise your hand? Yep. Something like that. Yeah, I say that. I say, listen, if you're here and for the first time that message made sense, just like you said, then right now in the quietness of your mind, just between you and God, you don't have to say a prayer. You don't have to raise your hand. It's by faith, just like the thief yeah. on the cross. But if you're putting your trust in Christ, I'd like to know. Yeah. Just slip up your hand, put it right back down. I say, God bless you. And then I follow it up with, listen, might sound strange, but if you became a believer, number one, when we finish this worship song, you can step out in the foyer yeah. and at the Connection Center, just have like a new believer back. And I stand by that strategically. Yeah. Second, I say, but if you can't and you're watching online or you're here and you're not able to get back there, mm -hmm. just text the church number at 720-895-9000 and follow the prompts. We will come back and this week a pastor will call you. Wherever you're at in the world, we'll yeah. get you these gifts. Because that's so that's important because a lot of the criticism I've received over yep. the years, I'm sure you have received, mm -hmm. I know you've received, is yep. what about follow-up? Yep. What about so you yep. have you have new believer, what what's in those follow-up bags? Like a yep. Bible, your book, a uh, QR QR codes for our membership classes, yep. which are discipleship. So heavy. taking them through the, yep. the 101, 201, 201, 301, 401. Okay. Um, we also have uh, information for our Christian education. I, we're the only church in our community that has a full-time Christian education department overseen by uh, a pastor, Vicky, who's been in charge of our, our family ministry. But Pastor Mark Schweitzer yeah. is our who was our, our who was our, our teacher, our Bible teacher. teacher, and basketball coach. Yeah, extraordinary uh, teacher. Yeah, extraordinary teacher. So, I mean, yeah. So you give that opportunity to respond. You. Uh, have them, you know, text in if they're offsite or go back and grab yep. one of those new believer yep. bags. 
and that begin and invite them into yeah. the 101, 201, get them baptized. Yep. And, and we've strate strategically trained our staff. So the 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 group that are back at the table that are, watching. are ready. Yeah. And, it, oh, you like a new believer back. Here you go. You know, would you like to talk to a pastor? Yeah. Uh, would you mind filling that card out and giving it to us right now? So there's now? that. There's also the friendship factor. So oh, man. anybody who's invited. So anybody who invites anybody to grace invites them because they know the gospel is going to be given. Yep. So those for this doesn't even take into account those friends that invited their unbelieving friends. And usually when you have heads bowed and eyes closed and it's their friend, they're probably peeking to see yep. Yep. if they trust Christ, then those believers also have the opportunity to follow up and are expected to follow exactly. up those friends that they brought out, invite exactly. them to a small group, exactly. get them involved. Yeah. They're trained to do that. Yeah. And, and in so our that's, ministry, that's our that's what we do. So that's the that's the secret sauce yep. of gospel advancement in and through Grace Church. Every Sunday morning. Yep. Every single and Saturday night, every single person is excited yeah. for the invitation and equipped. Yeah, and equipped. So, well, let me add about, one thing. Let me add one thing, Greg, because I think this is really important for pastors to hear. I think the problem comes philosophically when a pastor begins to disciple a lost person. Mm -hmm. Think of it this way. Churches go, well, we're all about discipleship and we're teaching, you know, expository, which, by the way, nobody can define that. Um, and so this is how we're teaching. And then you start teaching the depth of Scripture, at least what you call the depth of Scripture, to a lost person. You're not taking into account 1 Corinthians 2.14 and 15 that says, the natural man cannot perceive the things of God. They're undiscerned to you him. you got to get them the Spirit. you got to have the God. Holy Spirit. Yeah. That comes according to Ephesians 1.13 and 14, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. So you're putting the cart before the horse. You got to get the Holy Spirit inside. Absolutely. The ultimate teacher yeah. who will coach them. So yep. talk to the pastor. And I know you have a story because I've heard you share this story that is nervous yeah. about giving the gospel because number one, they're not convinced they know how. Yeah. And they're nervous that if they give the gospel and give an invitation, unlike grace where everybody's trained. Yep. I mean, everybody's yep. trained to bring yep. friends. That they're putting themselves out there, yeah. uh, or the youth pastor, that that no no teen or no no adult or whoever's in the audience is going to respond, right? Because right. you talked about this once, yep. Yep. and there was a pastor I think in Philadelphia. many times, yeah, Tell, Phil, yeah, Phil from Philadelphia, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because when I go and preach at other churches like Capital, you know, Community Church in uh, Capital Christian in, in Seattle, and I do the same thing I do here. They're not used to maybe that approach, like yeah. every single week. And when you're done and you see people come to Christ, man, you see these pastors light up. They're yeah. like, man, we could do this. Well, I was teaching at a conference, uh, a Saddleback conference, and I was teaching pastors how to share their faith. And I saw this guy sitting over on the right side, older guy, older gentleman, probably in his late 60s at that point. And this was 20-some years ago, 24 years ago. And when we got done, tears are running down his face. Well, everybody leaves, and they're handing out, my team's handing out sermons so they can hear how I do it, how to share the gospel. And that was what I was teaching on. And all of a sudden, I go up to him and go, hey, I'm, I'm Rick. And he's like, I'm Phil. Where are you from? Philadelphia Presbyterian Church. I go, awesome. I go, you look as passionate about the gospel as I am. He goes, um, I am, Pastor, but in the nine years since I took over this church, I've never led one person to Christ here. I said, so you're telling me nobody's come to Christ? He goes, no, student ministry, um, children's ministry. He goes, some of our, our other ministries, but he said, but no adults. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, I hear you deliver it, and I think I'm delivering the points. And so we went back through it, basically back through the gospel acrostic for him to help, help him understand the gospel journey. And then at the end of that, I said, Phil, you understand all the elements, but you're not making the most important one clear, which is there is no salvation apart from the cross. You can't say, well, you believe in God and you believe God loves you and you believe in yeah, Jesus. You got to go there, man. And he goes, okay. And I said, and then we used to use this term, Greg, we don't probably use it as much now. You got to close the deal. And closing the deal is actually saying, will you? Will you? That's the most important words you ask as a preacher anyways. Now that you heard generosity, will you be generous? Yeah. Now that you heard reading the Today Bible. Today is the day of salvation. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes, okay. Three weeks later, I'm, I had six services at the time, and I, I went back to the 
modular to get my feet up. And this back when the instant message and bing, it pops up and, and was Phil. He said, Pastor Rick, I want to share this with you. Today was the greatest day in my 34 years as a pastor. He said, two people came to know Jesus as their savior awesome. in the service. And he said, this has transformed my life. Yeah. And I just said, brother, as you do this, you will see a harvest. And his church began to grow. And about uh, six years later, we were one of the top 100 fastest growing churches in America. We were honored with that again this year. He was in there. Yeah. He was in there. Awesome. And it was just, I mean. The church? His church? Yeah, his church. That's so, I mean, he was seeing people come because to it Christ. Because was, it, was, it was gospelized. And what's cool is. Power of the gospel. Here's what. I remember uh, Rich Sullivan once. Mm-hmm. Back when I was pastor, yep, um, gave the gospel. He told me he led some UPS yeah. fellow driver to Christ. I go, what did you go to the evangelism training? He goes, no. He, I go, where did you learn how to give the gospel? Because I hear you giving it exactly. You were Rick giving exactly. the gospel every week. So in the process, you're training the people to have those natural gospel conversations. Yeah, I I want to I want to say the same thing um, because I know the question is that pastors ask is. Well, what if they're all believers and it just becomes redundant? Well, one, you have to train your people that the gospel should never become redundant. Yeah. I mean, if I don't wake up every day, it reminds me of John Harper, who was on the Titanic. You know, this is this is now, uh, what, 110 years ago, 105 years ago. John Harper was on his way to preach at D.L. Moody's church. And when the boat went down, he refused to get on any of the lifeboats. Of course, they were taking you know, women and children, because he wanted to preach the gospel. And he's preaching the gospel. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. He's preaching straight from Acts 16, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The ship goes down. He ends up in the water. He's floating in this frigid water and he floats past a man. I forget the man's name. You can look this up. And he says, are you saved? And he said, no, I don't think so. And he says, believe that Jesus Christ died for you and trust in him and you'll be saved. And the man said he floated off. His, his, you could hear his teeth chattering. It was so cold. And moments later, the current as the ship went down pushed him back to the man. And he said, are you saved? And he said, yes, because I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the last time John was seen. He went under. And this man said, I am the last convert of John Harper. Well, for us as Christians, as pastors, we want our legacy to be, if this is my last sermon, this is my last moment on earth. I want to proclaim yeah. Jesus Christ dead, buried, and raised to new life. So, so good. I mean, it's, I, I want to open it up for our guests, but Rick, this has been gold. And it's, I can't imagine standing before God and looking back and seeing that I missed opportunities, yeah. those one time shots. Yeah of people coming to Christ because I didn't give the gospel and a youth leader too. I mean, this is not just pastors. This is youth leaders and youth group. And I want to, I want to transition to our guests. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bartley, Chris Bartley is hey, discipleship Chris. pastor at new beginnings fellowship church in Pikeville, Kentucky. Yeah. He served full time in youth ministry for 16 years, 26 years, total time in ministry. He and his wife, Billy, who is awesome, by the way, have three children, Devin, Caden and Abigail were in college. He has a heart for gospelizing young people of Eastern Kentucky. He loves Giordano's Pizza, good man. The Kentucky Wildcats, good man. And wearing his red Converse, yes. So, Chris, welcome welcome to the podcast. And I'm just going to turn it over to you to connect with Rick, ask questions, make comments. And for you, for the next 10 minutes, you guys can interact. Hey, Chris. Yeah, man. So, so this has been so good for me. I mean, I've took four pages of notes, oh, and I've loved it. Um uh, and, and and I hear a lot of the things that are happening here echoed through some of the things that you're saying, especially, man, you know, just the importance of, of youth pastors uh, sharing the gospel every week, um, you know, with this gospel acrostic. So, so it makes it so clear uh, you're able to present a very clear gospel. Um, I know here in our region, uh, this context, uh, we run into times that people have been given, and I don't want to say a false gospel, but just not a clear gospel. Um, a lot of times it's, it's based on so much more than just faith or, or just, 
just believing in Jesus, you know, understanding that Jesus did die for you. He died for us as a group, but yet he died for you as an individual. And, uh, and, and that acrostic just makes it so easy. Amen. And, uh, I love hearing your guys' stories about growing up in a youth ministry that really fueled who you guys are today. Um, you said uh, uh, the why that you did it, uh, that you do it, is because you never know who is sitting in the room who who hasn't believed. And you shared that story of this lead deacon. Um, that that's the importance for me of, of sharing the gospel. And, and so, so do you keep going back to that that story, or, or what keeps uh, fueling you over and over again? Great question. To to just continually. Uh, share the gospel. Yeah, man, Chris, thank you. And thank you for your dedication to the Lord for as long as you have been to, to students, man. I got great respect for that. And mm. Greg's right. I love students. I mean, so much. I bought a Christian school this past year and started one. And it's it's been refreshing to be with them again. Um, when, I, when I go back uh, to tell that story, that's one of literally thousands of stories. I mean, literally. We, we baptized... 10,137 people over the years. And uh, each one is a story. So every one of those stories is motivation. But Greg shared something, and, and you know, we can talk about those who come to Christ. Those are the miracles. That's why we do it. But I think of Donnelly Peter, who I, I was asked to do her wedding in 94, by a man named Pete Voris, who's still in our church. And he was just a single guy working with her. Well, real quick, she was an atheist. And her her uh, fiancé, he was an atheist. And I'm like, I don't do atheist weddings, but I'll, I'll agree to one thing. I'll meet with them for one reason, as we all know. So they come in my office, and I led them both to Christ that day. They both came to know Christ as their Savior. Now, I, in my back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, they just came to know Christ, so I do their wedding. But it was such a transformation. They stayed in our church for 18 years until they moved to Idaho. And Donna Lee tells the same story Greg heard about Rich Sullivan. She said, every week I hear you give the gospel, and I never tire of it. But she said, I was at a MOPS conference. There were 350 mothers there. And one of the ladies came up and said, you go to Grace Church, right? And she said, yeah. She goes, well, then you're probably an expert on giving the gospel. Would you go ahead and do that? And Donna Lee said, I'm scared to death, but I'll do it. And this is her text to me. Pastor Rick, I sounded exactly like you. And I'm like, well, I hope not. But I knew what she meant. What she meant was all of that grace acrostic, all of those elements that are biblically given were included in her talk. And she saw many women raise their hand to trust in Jesus. That's the why every week and when when someone doesn't come to know christ we don't manufacture it we don't try and make it happen i can't remember a time that it has i'm sure it has uh in the last 25 years or so but but this is what motivates me because i see our church and i see them literally worshiping god when the gospel is being given and i hear them in the foyer say thank you thank you for preaching the gospel thank you for having a church that makes salvation predominant. So those are all the whys. I mean, there's many more, but that one story is one of literally thousands. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, we had this youth event, this, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but, but we, you know, we are very pointed to give a clear gospel and uh and we do it for a lot of reasons you know and one of the reasons is for me uh, i'm reminded of my need for Amen. this gospel that That's we right. never outgrow it That's right and um but but this particular time you know everything was over and we had cleaned up and and this student was hanging around and this was many many years ago uh and and, and my wife was giving this this student a ride home this girl and she said i want you to pray for me and, I was like, okay. And she said, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to tell my dad about Jesus. Wow. And, uh, and, and so she went in and shared the gospel with her father. And, and she said, I want you, you know, and, and, and I want you to go to church with me. And she brought him to church the next week. And then as soon as the early service was over, she said, all right, now you go to Sunday school and send him to Sunday school. <laughs> well, you fast forward till today 
Um, for about the last seven or eight years, he's been one of our best volunteers. Oh, love that. And so we need to remind these students of the influence and the power that they carry, yes. not just uh, with their friends, but in their homes, on their teams, in their schools, just yes. everywhere they go, they carry this influence. And so I loved when you said there's an expectation. Uh, I love that word expectation for everyone uh, to follow up. Yeah. And I'm going to add even to share the gospel, yeah. you know, he says, go and make disciples. Yeah. He doesn't really say, go bring them to church. Right. He says, go and share the gospel. And my wife, she says, if you give somebody Jesus, they'll find a good church. Oh, so good. Well, right. and you know, Chris, you're reminding me of something too, that everything obviously flows from the crux of the gospel, right? From Genesis 3.15 on is the salvation through the sacrifice of Christ. When pastors uh, and youth pastors say, well, I'm all about discipleship, right? Sometimes that becomes an excuse not to preach the gospel because it's really easy to go to breakfast or coffee with a believer and just talk about the Bible. But what is being deep? What is actually teaching the word of God? According to James and according to scripture, it's when you're a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So depth in preaching isn't about how great I exegete or parse the Greek or know the Hebrew. It's about whether or not when I communicate to my students or my congregation that God's placed me in, are they now able to apply what they've learned and go and live it? Mm -hmm. And you'll just find, to, just yeah. To, just yeah. to jump in, I yeah. was, two weeks ago, I was uh, doing a chapel down at uh, Dallas Seminary. Oh yeah, and I said, oh, that's right. are you guys here just to learn how to exegete the text? or execute the Great Commission. Oh, that's good. You know, and mm, yeah, really learn good. how to execute the text. But if you guys aren't ex executing the Great Commission, what what good is all this? Yeah. And I had a, the student yeah. body president came up afterward. He goes, man, we're doing this. I'm going to start, you know, so taking good. students out and sharing the gospel and hitting the Oh, that's awesome. Because when you activate what you learn from scripture, yeah. now everything becomes exciting. And when somebody sees, uh, a person, a student or an adult, mm -hmm. they see somebody that they've led to Christ. There's not a class you can take them through that'll give them more excitement. Right. It's changed their lives. Right. They've yeah. experienced yeah. that. So well, you don't, you know what, Chris, we don't know something until we can teach it. And we don't understand mm -hmm. something until we can do it or execute it. And I think- There's that old yeah. Chinese proverb that says, what I, what I hear, I forget. What I teach, I remember. What I do, do I understand. understand. Exactly. And exactly. That activation. And, and Chris, uh, you've seen that with your students because you guys are lead the causers and dare to share live. Yeah, and you so good. Go share day and you mobilize your students for action. Mm. And that transforms everything. Yes. Yep. And absolutely. And, and, and so uh, each time you see the students gain confidence mm. in, in what they're doing and what they're sharing, and so they get even more bold. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, this, this girl who's new to our youth group text, text us, you know, me and my wife, and she said, uh, I did it for the very first time wow. today. I prayed with somebody right. and it was my teacher. Oh, wow. And, and so now, yeah, right. I mean, and, wow. and she's like, my teacher's been struggling. And I just, she said, I didn't do it the first day but I couldn't sleep all night long. <laughs> and so today Burned. when I went in, that was the first thing I did. Wow. Uh, and, and so Gracious. you start to see that become contagious. Yes. Uh, and, and, and you see like, like we got a youth, uh, a guy that helps us with youth who is the tennis coach. And now the whole tennis team is coming to, uh, uh, to youth group oh, wow. and, and starting to come to church and stuff. And so you're seeing these things start to become gospel advancing. And it's not just a gospel advancing youth mm. group. There's a gospel advancing tennis team. That's great. And I love that. And you're starting to see these tennis players lead other students who they're around. Um, here in our youth group, we're small Eastern Kentucky kind of town, um, but we have seven different schools that come to our youth wow. group, and they're, they're they're fierce competitors, you know, on the court or the the field or the rink or whatever they're doing. But yet, whenever they come together, they're under one banner, and they, you know, and it's so fun that after the football game, they go eat together, mm. or the volleyball game, they hug each other and. And, and and that's an example of of just Christ's grace lived out because they're taught that to win at all costs. And they're like, we're going to, but we're going to win souls for Jesus. Hey, Chris, could I ask and, you a question? Yeah. When 
when you look at your youth group today, since you become gospelized, since you become gospel advancing, does it look a lot less traditional than it used to and <laughs> a lot more baby believers and a lot more of those challenges today? And what's that like? Oh, absolutely. I tell people we're a mess, but we're God's mess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, we, we get a lot of questions from students just about how do I, and then fill in the blank, you know, like, like even, how do I learn more? How do I pray better? How do I become, and it comes back to a word that, that we, we really live around and that's being intentional. Mm. And, and even in sharing the gospel, we have to be intentional yes. and like if I'm with students and, and we're at a restaurant, like this has happened before, and we'd be at a restaurant and they're like, what are you guys doing here? You know, well, we're part of this youth group and stuff. And then I say, do you know who Jesus is? And they're like, yeah, I used to go to church. And they're like, I'm, and I say, oh, you know, uh, and we start this gospel conversation and I'll say, here's my friend, Andrew. He wants to tell you about Jesus. Oh, and I set them up to share the gospel yeah. and, and to put them into play because, uh, uh, I, I want them to feel that growth and that excitement. That's so and, wise. And that encouragement. Well, so and, wise. and also to know that I believe in them, that they have yeah. a clear understanding. Well, that's what happened um, to us. And, we were put in those situations yeah. and teachers and, and you know, older mentors said, hey, this is Rick. Go ahead and, and he wants to tell you something. And then Greg and I started doing that with our students. And what's crazy, so wise. what's crazy about it is it leads to all those theological conversations you want to have yeah but your kids are bringing them up mm -hmm. like why do yeah. we believe in the trinity because yeah. jews don't and i have mm -hmm. a jewish friend i'm sharing christ <laughs> with or how do we know how can we trust yeah. the bible all those all those questions get answered in the midst of well, evangelism mm -hmm. and discipleship we used to say the greatest form of of discipleship is evangelism yeah and we still live that Amen. when you are evangelizing what yeah. greg said is absolute fact. You will go deeper into the Word of God, deeper in your reading, in your studies. You'll you'll talk to your pastors. You'll go to small group because you want to be able to know the truth. You want to get questions.org. Yeah, exactly. And and I I, I think of this. Um, our youth group is is a mess too. It's it's a, you know we always say your mess is your message. You know that. Your greatest hurt becomes your deepest ministry. In Brooklyn, our, our student pastor and our, our student staff, they'll get students that'll come over from our new Christian school or from another youth group. And if those students don't have the vision of reaching the lost, they're out of there. They're like, I'm gonna go back to, mm -hmm. there's, a big, there's a big youth group in town that a lot of the kids go to, and it's just made up of believers. They have amazing worship, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But we've had to have those they've had to have those conversations and say listen if you come here you're going to see students whose lives are a mess who need jesus because we're all broken but they got broken homes they got drug addiction they've got a parent in prison mm -hmm. those are who we need but to be reaching but that's the price tag for gospel advancement. that's right it's like you'll not hear you'll hear f-bombs in the foyer like exactly. god's so blank and awesome you're like exactly oh, yes, exactly but, no, but wait you know yeah. and, but yeah. it's exciting it's got that new believer smell that excitement i hate to draw mm -hmm. this we have to kind of oh. wrap this up uh any final uh comment chris you know i'm just thinking about exactly that man how uh how you find yourself in these precarious situations and people even questioning you know why, why do you even do this look at them and i'm like right watch them and you're gonna want exactly that uh, i think about rick lawrence and he said one time taste and see mm. and what jesus is saying and you know what god's saying is this is an appetizer and if you get just a sample you're gonna want the whole thing amen amen rick 60 seconds look in the camera and tell any pastor make your best case any pastor, youth pastor listening right now to give the gospel an invitation every week? My friend, I know as a pastor how hard it is. I know how hard it is. It's the most demanding job, I'm convinced, in the world. And I know that every week you're working hard to develop messages. You're working hard to lead your staff. Your family's sacrificing. You may be feeling burned out. Uh, maybe you're wondering at times why you're doing this. Preach the gospel. If you share the gospel and you see lives changed, it will energize your church. It will energize your life. It'll energize your family, your marriage. You cannot measure how much impact it will make. And more importantly, 
you're now the conduit for God saving somebody from hell and, and placing them, as Ephesians 1 says, in him for eternity. So believe me when I say that preaching the gospel will make your message stronger and the impact deeper and your life sweeter. Wow. Drop the mic. Yeah. Give the gospel. Yeah. Chris, Amen. thank you so much for being a part of this. Rick, Thanks, um, how would uh, any anybody that uh, wants to know more about you, uh, what's is it yep. Instagram? Is it yeah. Facebook? Gracechurchco.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, TikTok. I'm the Peloton pastor. I'm also on uh, somebody in my church has created something called the Jesus TikTok. And uh, they've used my edits from my sermon. You can reach out to us. I would love, if you're a pastor and you need some encouragement, you need some help, regardless of my schedule, I'll set things aside to help you and to encourage you. Uh, I won't have all the time in the world. I'd love to meet with you every week, but I'll definitely have a moment to just encourage and pray for you and answer any of these questions that maybe you need imp uh, unpacked or, or others. So just know this, I'm praying for you. And as a pastor now for 38 plus years, youth pastor, student pastor, worship pastor, you know, and everything in between, uh, I know how hard it can be. And I want you to thrive and I want your marriage to be healthy and your family to be healthy. And that's what God wants. So let us help, okay? Awesome. Website uh, for Grace Church, Grace Church. Grace Church, gracechurchco.com. Gracechurchco.com. I encourage you, if you're wondering, why, how do I do this? Yeah. How do I tie in any subject to the gospel? Drop in, listen to a couple sermons, yeah. listen for the salvation segue, and then watch how Rick or whoever's preaching yeah. gives the gospel. Absolutely. So, Chris, thank you so much. Rick, Thanks, Chris. Buddy. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks brother. Love this. you, buddy. And thank you for turning in, tuning in. Uh, hopefully you've not been turning in to sleep, <laughs> uh, but tuning in and remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one. Amen.